Let's turn to Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read from verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. As we've been looking in this passage over recent weeks, we've seen Paul referring to uh, a groaning creation. He says, uh, he says the, the creation was subjected to frustration, it's waiting in eager expectation, and so on. He says the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Then he goes on to say that we also groan. Verse 23, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan. So he's spoken about a groaning world. He's spoken about the groaning that we also share with that. But the whole context of this chapter is the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. That's what he's talking about. We mustn't lose sight of that. That's been the theme from verse 1 of chapter 8. All the way through, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death, and so on. So that's what he's talking about. Then he comes to verse 26 here, the verse that we read. In the same way, he says, the Spirit, that's the theme of the chapter, helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. He's speaking here, obviously, about prayer, and he speaks about a necessity. He says, we don't know what we ought to pray for, and that's... That's how it's translated, but it could be translated, we don't know what it's really necessary for us to pray. It's it's a sense of obligation. We ought to pray. It's necessary to pray. He's drawing attention to that. That same uh, phrasing is there in something that Jesus said in Luke chapter 18. And it's helpful to look at what he said there in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Same phrasing there, it is, ne- that it is necessary that they should always pray. He told his disciples a parable to show that it's necessary, there's an obligation, we ought to always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, I care about men. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus there is talking about the need to keep praying, and he stresses it is a necessity. For that poor widow in the story, it was a necessity that she shouldn't give up, because eventually she got what she was asking for. And Jesus is telling that story to illustrate it is necessary that we keep praying and don't stop. Crying out to him day and night. 
Is there faith? God's looking for faith. The faith that keeps praying because, he says, it's necessary. So here in Romans chapter 8, we don't know what it's necessary for us to pray about. It is essential that we pray. The context there is about intercession. The Spirit intercedes for us. Intercession means praying for other people, praying for other situations, standing between other situations and other people and God, coming to God on their behalf. Intercession, praying for others, and it is necessary. It's necessary that we pray for our nation. It's necessary that we pray for other nations. It's necessary that we should be praying about the situation in the Middle East at the present time. It's necessary that we should pray for our city. It's necessary that we should pray for the people that we know, our families. Well, the list goes on and on. It is essential. We stand between all of those and God, and we come to him on their behalf. It's an obligation we ought to pray. It is necessary. Jesus clearly found it necessary to pray. Frequently, and sometimes at considerable lengths. Luke, in his Gospel, seems to be particularly aware of that and draws attention to that again and again. Let's just flick through some references in Luke's Gospel. Turn to them if you like, or otherwise uh, just move through them quickly. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 16, verse 15 News about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Chapter 6 and verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And then later uh, on in chapter 9 and verse 18. Luke 9 and verse 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And then in verse 28, about eight days after Jesus, uh, after eight, uh, eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, The appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. And so the story goes on. Up to pray. Chapter 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And then towards the end of Luke's gospel and very meaningfully in Luke 22, Luke 22, verse 39, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. But just notice those words, the start of that section there in verse 39. Jesus went out as usual. 
to the Mount of Olives. He was always praying. He found it necessary to pray frequently at length. It was his custom. And so it is necessary. If Jesus found it necessary, it's a necessity for us that we should pray. And it's a particular necessity for us because the way is open for us to pray and it is spectacularly open for us to pray. Jesus has opened the way to the Father and we are allowed to come before the sovereign Lord of all creation and bring requests to him in the name of Jesus. In the name of his Son, we're allowed to come and pray to the Father. That way has been opened to us through the blood of Jesus. He died in our place to remove all disqualification so that we can come. To not do so is scandalous. It's necessary that we pray. Look at the cost involved in making it possible for us to pray. And so we will pray privately. We will pray when we're together. We will pray frequently. We will pray fervently. We will pray widely for a whole range of things. Paul later, in, uh, writing to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, he says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, he goes on to say. You get the impression prayer is important. It is a necessity that we pray. But in the passage here, it also speaks not only of a necessity, it speaks about weakness. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And that weakness we were looking at last week in verse 23. We who have the first roots of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We saw last week, we're only half saved. We know our sin is dealt with. We've got relationship with God, but we're still in these fallen bodies. And we're waiting for the day when we're free of all those inhibitions, restrictions, limitations. That day's coming, but in the meantime, we're longing for it. That's our weakness. So there's a necessity, but we are also weak. In that same incident, when Jesus took his disciples out into the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray, and they fell asleep. Matthew records some additional detail in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 40, he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. And then this, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The same word that Paul uses here in Romans 8, the body is weak. And it's a familiar saying, isn't it? The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. We, we often say it, and it's, it, is, it applies to many things, but it applies here to prayer. And that word willing actually is a much stronger word than that. It, it could also be translated enthusiastic. Maybe Jesus is thinking of what is recorded just a few verses higher where Peter said, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Yeah, the spirit's enthusiastic, but the body, weak. Can't actually come up with what you want to do. There's an enthusiasm to do it. There's a necessity to do it. 
but the body is weak. What is interesting there is that Jesus knew that. Jesus knew the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. But he still asked them to do it. He still asked them to come with him and pray. He didn't say, yeah, well, I would like you to, but the body is weak. So often, people want to tailor things to the weakness of the body rather than to the willingness of the spirit. So people say, let's keep things short. Let's not do this. We can't do it. It's too much. Jesus knew it was too much. But he said, come with me. Come and do it. Yeah, there's an enthusiasm, but the body is weak. And here it's talking in Romans 8 about a necessity to pray and weakness. The weakness of just falling asleep as they did. He said, couldn't you keep awake for an hour? He asked them to watch with him. To watch means to keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open for trouble coming, but also just stay awake. And they couldn't stay awake for one hour. In just over a week's time, we're going to have a week of prayer. And we're calling it 24-7 prayer, which means we're asking people to sign up, if they're willing to, for an hour, day or night, to pray. Those words of Jesus suddenly become very relevant. Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Yeah, the Spirit's willing, but the body's weak. We can say, yes, we'll go for this. Oh, you know, matchsticks in eyes, try to keep them open. The body is weak. Not only are we likely to fall asleep, but also, more specifically, we don't know what we ought to pray for. We don't know what we ought to pray. It's a better translation. We don't know what we ought to pray, rather than we don't know what we ought to pray for. We can know what we ought to pray. If, uh, we, we can know what we ought to pray for. Like, for example, when we have our uh, 24-7 prayer, it would be good to pray for the nation. We know we should pray for that. But the problem is, what to pray? Oh, yeah, we want to pray for our country. don't know what to pray. There's, there's a weakness there. The, our weakness, we don't know what we ought to pray. That we can know the topics, and we will give you topics, but it's how to pray. That's what we don't know. We don't know what God wants to do. We don't know what's best. We don't know God's plans. We don't know the mysteries of his will. It's a great unknown. That If we just prayed for our nation, it's a big nation with millions of people in it. There are lots of situations to pray about. We don't know what to pray. How are we to do it? There are all sorts of things we don't know. We do know, verse 28, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. There are some things we can be absolutely sure sure about, but there are many things that we just don't know. How are we to pray? In the margin of my Bible, I'd noted a couple of references. I looked them up. Obviously, I'd seen them previously and thought they're very relevant. In Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. Verse 23, Moses is speaking. He says, at that time, I pleaded with the Lord, O sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works that you do? And here's his prayer. Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon, and get this. But because of you... 
the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That's enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me any more about this matter. (laughs) Moses is praying. God says, stop it. Don't speak to me about it again. We don't know what to pray. Moses got it wrong. If Moses can get it wrong, what hope is there for little you and me? He got it wrong. Then, Paul's own experience. Paul knows what he's talking about here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, and verse 8 He's talking about a particular situation. He says, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. We don't know what that was. Some people think it was some physical affliction. It, I think, more, personally, I think more likely it was a person who was causing him trouble because he goes on to speak about insults and persecutions. But whatever it was, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul is praying for the wrong thing. It's quite understandable that he would pray. And three times he's coming before God on this. He had learned about persistence. He had learned about pressing through. And then God says, no, that's enough. No, I want, you to, I want you to stay in that position of weakness. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. And then there's a very solemn reference. This is going to put you off praying altogether. <laughs> Psalm 106, Psalm 106, and verse 15, or verses 14 and 15. In the desert, this is talking about the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wasteland, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease upon them. Or the older version says, sent leanness into their soul. They're craving for something. They're they're always craving for things that they hadn't got. And they they just won't let up. We want meat. We want a variety of diet. They're going on at God. We want, we want, we want. And in the end, God gave them what they wanted. And it brought harm on them. You ever seen that happen? Someone who gets obsessed about something. A particular case where I've seen it frequently. Young people, well, I would regard as young people, they don't regard themselves as young anymore. They've reached a certain age and they're not yet married. The clock is ticking and it becomes an obsession. I want to get married. I want to get married. And finally... God gives them what they want. Have you ever seen the tragedy of a young couple unhappily married? It's awful. It's awful. You see young people who are zealous for God, but they're so desperate for a partner. It's often, I don't want to, but it's often a girl in that situation. Zealous for God, crying out to God, I want a husband. I want to see other couples around. It's all couples around here. Everything's couples. I want a husband. They finally get a husband. It's not a good deal. And you see them trapped then till death parts us. Oh, God gave them what they wanted. Sometimes it is wrong to keep asking. Hence, Paul says what he says. 
We don't know what to pray. It's a necessity to pray, but there's this weakness. And what is encouraging in the midst of, if you're getting really discouraged right now, what is, or maybe this is even more discouraging, Paul includes himself in that. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray. He's including himself in it. He, he's in the same situation. There are no spiritual giants. Paul isn't writing as someone who says, well, of course, I've cracked this one, but some of you more immature people, you're going to find you struggle with your weakness, but you know, I've come through that, of course, I'm a giant. No, he's not saying that. In fact, he's very honest in Corinthians to say how he prayed three times for something. God said, no. He's including himself. In other words, weakness is not sin. Weakness in this matter of prayer is not a sign that you're not really saved. It's not, it's not sin, it's being human. This is our problem. We are still human. We still have the limitations of bodies that want to fall asleep, minds that are cluttered with so much junk that we can't think straight, and all the rest of it. That's where we are. Paul was also there. So there is a necessity to pray. We ought to pray. But there's a problem. We're weak. So what's the remedy? Well, one remedy that many people find helpful is just to give up. (laughs) Say, well, I've tried it. I've tried. It doesn't work. I can't. My mind just doesn't work like that. Well, that's not the remedy that Paul offers here. In the same way, he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There's a necessity, there's a weakness, and there's a help. And that's what this chapter is about. This chapter is about the great difference that the Spirit of God makes to everything in terms of our relationship with God and in terms of life in general. The Spirit helps us. Now that word help... In English, the word help, just four letters. In Greek, it is a huge word. Because it's made up of several different words, all kind of tacked together. If you are interested, it is soon anti-lambanatai. Interesting. Make a note of that. It's a very long word. It's, It's words stitched together. And if you translated the whole thing, it would be saying, he joins along with us, to help, or he lays hold, hold of with us, for us. It's, it's a compound word. And the same word appears elsewhere in the New Testament in a very interesting context. In Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. From verse 38 there, it's the story of Jesus and his disciples coming to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's often misunderstood. You get this idea of Jesus sitting there and this girl sort of sitting, looking dreamy-eyed at him. That's not what it's saying. There's Jesus and his disciples and they come to this home. To sit at the feet of means to be a disciple. It means to listen And so Jesus comes into this home and the disciples are gathered all around him listening to him because he's teaching them. There are two women there, Martha and Mary. Mary outrageously sits with the disciples. She didn't realize that a woman's place is in the kitchen. 
And she's there with the disciples learning from Jesus. Martha has got 12 disciples plus Jesus. Maybe her brother Lazarus was there as well, we don't know. They're all there for lunch and she is on her own in the kitchen and it's too much for one person. And so she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And it's that very word. In other words, tell her to share the burden with me. Tell her to pick it up along with me for me. That's the compound word. She's got a task that's too much for one. She needs someone to pick it up and share the burden. That's the word with the same meaning that Paul uses here in Romans chapter 8. This matter of prayer is too much for us. It's a necessity, but there's a weakness. We don't know what to pray as we ought. The flesh, the body is weak. Ah, but there's someone who's willing to pick up the burden with us. Someone who's willing to share the load, to pick up the other end of this that we're trying to carry, and we can't. The Spirit of God is there to help. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the verse begins, in the same way. We could say, well, in the same way as what? Some versions say, likewise. Well, like what? Well, in the same way, I would say, as everything else we've seen in this chapter thus far. The Spirit is the one who enables us to mortify the deeds of the body. The Spirit is the one who leads us. The Spirit is the one who testifies with us that we're God's children. The Spirit is the one by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying again and again and again what the Spirit of God does in us. We're not just under law. We haven't just got things we're supposed to do and we can't do it. No, we're in the Spirit. And in the same way as all of those other ways the Spirit helps us, in the same way the Spirit helps us in this particular area of weakness. That we know we should pray. We don't know what we ought to pray. We can't do it. And the wonderful thing is that God understands our weakness. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way as we are. God became man. It's reasonable to conclude then that when Jesus went out as usual to pray, he had the same weaknesses as us. When it says he went out and he prayed all night, he battled with heavy eyelids. He battled with the tendency just, I want to go to sleep. 
He, he was tempted in every way as we are. He understands our weakness. He knows what it's like to be a human being. We ought to pray. It is necessary that we pray as we see the state of the world, as we see the state of this nation, as we see the church. It's necessary to pray. Yeah, but the Spirit's willing. Oh, there's enthusiasm. We're weak. But that's not the full story. This wonderful Savior, who has been a human being and knows what it's like to be human, is now at the right hand of God, and He has given us His Spirit. Greater works than these you'll do, he said, because I'm going to the Father. Yes, he battled through in these matters, but now his Spirit is in us to enable us to do what, as mere human beings, we wouldn't normally be able to do. Because the Spirit is there to share the burden with us. If Jesus struggled, he understands. And now the Spirit comes to us to pick up the other end of the load so that as we're carrying this burden of prayer, He helps us. Hopefully, there's no law involved, but hopefully as a church we will go for this thing of let's see if we can pray for a week. Let's see if we can do that. There are so many things to pray for. There are individuals here, as we know, we pray for little Dan, and so we're going to call on God. There's a nation, there's nations. So much to pray. Hopefully we will sign up. Now, let's suppose you choose an easy hour. Is any hour easy to pray? (laughs) But let's suppose you choose an hour during daylight hours. Or let's suppose you choose an hour in the early hours of the morning. Whatever. You start praying. The the hour has come. I guarantee you'll have a watch or a clock on hand and you'll be looking at it quite frequently. But anyway, you start on the hour. You start praying. In a couple of minutes, all your prayers have been exhausted. You've prayed everything you know. What happens next? As we pray, the Spirit of God is picking up the load with us. And it says here, He intercedes for us with groans that words can't express. Now, what on earth does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) I'm here to tell you what it means. If you look at the commentaries, if you look at what people have said about it, there are so many different ideas. And if this was kind of just a Bible study, I'd run through all those ideas and I'd say why they believe this. And I'm not going to do that. I'm preaching. So I'm going to make it simple. Some people say it's, we are groaning. Some people say this is about speaking in tongues. No, it says, this, it's talking about what the Spirit does. And the Spirit himself is interceding. And the Spirit himself, therefore, is doing the groaning. And this, this person says with, that words can't express. Another version says... Uh, with groans that lie too deep for words or something. No, the the actual word is unspoken. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groans. Paul has said creation is groaning. He's also said, and we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan. And now there's a third one who groans. The Spirit groans. And we are praying our best prayer which maybe is not that impressive, but no one's listening apart from God, which is a a good thing because 
if anyone else was listening, we might be embarrassed, but we're praying. We, our prayer is expressing a yearning to God, but where maybe we don't know what to pray, but we're bringing a yearning to God. The Spirit is also involved in that, and He brings these unspoken yearnings interpreting them to God because he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit does. We don't know the words, but the Spirit does. We don't know God's mind, the Spirit does. And as we bring our prayer, the other end of it is coming before God because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, bringing those unspoken yearnings before God. And, and, and so our praying is reaching the Father in accordance with God's will. That's a miracle. But surely that is what Paul is indicating here. Where There's a necessity. We're weak. And God has provided the wonderful answer. And so the Spirit enables us to pray with very great confidence. Because we're coming to the Father through the Son. That's how the way has been opened in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is involved in our praying. We pray with our mind. We, we, we ask the Spirit of God, open my mind so I know how to pray. But even then, it's not really adequate. But it is as it comes before God. It's wonderfully adequate. Because it's according to God's will. Because the Spirit is sharing the burden. The Spirit is picking up that heavy burden that we can't carry and he's bringing it before God in accordance with God's will. And we will also discover that as we launch into our hour and we don't know what to pray, actually if we are saying, Father, if our first prayer is, Father, please fill me with your Holy Spirit because I need your Spirit if I'm going to pray, then he will help you. I remember years ago I was involved in a scheme of just praying for one hour on a set day each week for the nation. So it wasn't a wide range of things, just praying for the country for one hour each week for a year. And that was a challenge, to pray for just one topic every week, same time. For me, it was early in the morning because I knew the rest of the day I'd be interrupted. So, I'm, And I'm not a morning person, as Mary could tell you. Um, I talk about with groans that words can't express. That's me communicating in the morning anyway. But, um, so I've got my hour. And an hour is made up of 60 minutes. <laughs> and each minute is made up of a whole 60 seconds. And you've got to fill them all. I found myself praying about things I had never thought of previously. I found myself getting really passionate about things that I hadn't cared about previously. It was an amazing time. Very stretching as you get into things that normally you don't give two thoughts to. That's the Spirit of God picking up the burden and saying, okay, let's go for it together. Let's do it together. So it's not just me on my knees, tired, thinking I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. The Spirit does, and we're doing this together. So we go into our week of prayer. Let's do it together with God. 
together with the Holy Spirit. And where he's got the other end of the load, he's got the heavy end, actually. And we're just doing what God has said it's necessary for us to do. And we will pray with our understanding, and we'll call on God to help us. But the Spirit's helping us, and the Spirit's bringing it before the Father, so it's actually in accordance with God's will. That's why prayer is wonderful. That's why we we call to prayer. That's why we say, let's gather to pray on a Friday evening. Let's pray individually. Because this is not just legalism. This is not just a law. This is in the Spirit. This is experiencing the power of God and getting to know something of the heart of God as we get involved in what God wants us to do. Yes, we're weak. Can I just say, I'm aware at any given time in the church's history, but particularly at this time, there are a lot of babies. A lot, therefore, of families where mums, young mums, are maybe breastfeeding, not getting a decent night's sleep, means the dad isn't getting a good night's sleep either. And so young marrieds or young parents can be particularly hard to pray and, and young mums, you know, you're, you're, you've got your child to care, your baby to care for, you're not getting a good sleep in any way, you've had nine months of pregnancy, you've, or the whole thing of giving birth, you are exhausted. And you can maybe remember back when prayer used to be so easy, rose-colored spectacles, because it was never easy. But anyway, when it's difficult, you look back and think, oh, it was great then. I, I just find it hard to read my Bible now and stay awake. Weakness is not sin. Weakness is being human. And we have a high priest who understands our weakness. He does. And the Spirit of God is there to help us. Please don't beat yourself up because you're weak. God doesn't. He understands our weakness. All of us have got different weaknesses. There's a necessity. We need to pray. We really do need to pray. There's a problem. We're weak. And there's a wonderful solution. The Holy Spirit who comes to help us. So we pray in the Spirit. And we're not going to give up. Men should always pray and not give up. We're not going to give up. Because in all that we do, in prayer but in everything else, we depend on this wonderful provision that God has given, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we keep coming back to God and say, I want to be filled with your spirit because it's the only way to live. Let's pray.